Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, hey, closet dwellers and bold move makers, it is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I am your host, Rick Clemens, and guess what? We are going to get some hell yes on today because you know what? Sometimes when it comes to living life in your terms, you've got to make some freaking bold moves that, well, kind of upset the status quo and may require you to say, okay, I've got to say a hell yes to this to give myself permission to go do the thing I want to do. But what happens when you don't know how to get there? What do you do when those fears just crop up and you feel like you're being held hostage? Well, I've got a couple of friends here, one that has been on the podcast before, and um, they are saying hell yes to a whole lot. In fact, they are getting ready to release a new book called Getting to Hell Yes. It releases on September the 29th. We're going to have links and everything to it. And I have to say that Alexandra Jameson and Bob Gower have put together something that in the brief little bit of time that I've looked at it, it's got me saying some hell yes, because I was kind of in some weird spaces with myself. Okay, Rick, just do this. Just say hell yes to it. And I went through this little program and they came in just at the right time. So um, enough of me. Let's just get right to this. So welcome to the podcast, Bob and Alexandra. So glad to have you both here. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Hey, you bet. So Alex and I have been friends for probably five years at this point. Um, We went to um, Good Life Project Camp that very first year together. That's where I met Alex. And then Bob and I became Facebook friends. But Bob and I have never really spoken until today. So um, I'm excited (laughs) for all of this. So you just, like many of my posts, though. Which I, I do. I do. Well, I felt kind of obligated that, you know, if I like Alex's stuff, I better like your stuff, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like stuff of people that I can tell are doing some amazing stuff out here on the planet. And um, especially some of your political posts. I'm just right there with you guys. But we won't go there today. We'll, well, maybe we will. We never know where we're going to go on these things. So uh, so let's talk about this. Alex, I know you, you know you do this beautiful work with women and health coaching and helping women really stay into who they are. Bob, you do some amazing stuff with organizations, helping them become more engaged places of work. And then suddenly here's this hell yes thing. So where did this come from? What was the impetus for this lovely little book that's coming out? Alice just pointed her thumb at me. So I guess I'm, I guess it's on me. Uh, yeah, I kind of saw that. So I was like, <laughs> okay, it's the Bob show now. It's the Bob show. Yeah. Well, it is something that, that um, I had developed, uh, before actually I met Alex, not too long before, but I was, I was teaching some workshops uh, and they were focused, you know, we had cut, I don't need to go too deeply into what those were, but there were couples coming to the workshop. They were a little bit, um, let's say challenging, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was, some, it was, you know, folks were going to come in, they were going to talk about their relationship. They were going to talk about some sexuality. They were going to talk about some of their lives. Yep. And, um, and what I found was that people would come in and they were also supposed to be like light, playful and fun. They weren't supposed to be like really intense workshops. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that people were coming in with very different expectations, even though they were coming and doing the same thing. 
Yep. Uh, and so, and I realized that it, that it would be super helpful if they had a conversation either ahead of time or what eventually happened was during the workshops, they were, that they were going to have a conversation that would help them become aligned or at least empathetic to what the other person's motivations were. Because sometimes you can do things for different motivations, but you can, as long as I'm sensitive to why someone else is doing something, all the, the nuance can play out. It can play out well. And then sometimes it can be really horrible or it can play out you know, horribly. And what, pe- what happens sometimes is people stumble across other people's boundaries or other people or these little hidden landmines. So I wanted a conversation that was going to expose all of that. Um, later, Alex kind of helped me teach the workshops after I met her. And then uh, we began applying it in our relationship for a lot of other kinds of conversations. And then I was t- doing some transformation work in big corporations with right. um, you know, C-suite executives in these big companies. And I realized, wait a minute, they need to have the exact same conversation. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of evolved from there to the to a point where it became this sort of foundational tool that we just kept using both in our in our work. Alex used it with her clients. Um, I used it in sales. I used it with my clients. We used it with each other. We decided mm-hmm. to get married by using the conversation. We didn't. We planned our wedding by using the conversation. And then it took us a very long time to be smart enough to actually turn it into like write it and give it to other people, even though it was so popular and so, with us and with our clients, it took us a while to develop a, to actually sit down and write about it. Um, but we finally got around to it. That's awesome. So I love that this came from like that soul centered space of like what a couple could do, but then suddenly you find this applies to everything. It's so interesting because sometimes we, we bucket this stuff and we go, okay, this is going to work only over here. But when people really step away and look at something they're doing. So for instance, in my world, when I'm working with someone coming out of the closet, they're like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to have this conversation? And they think, Oh my God, because this is that thing. It's got to be something brand new. When in reality, you've had big conversations all your life with people. This just happens to be something slightly different. But for the most part, if you like overlay a lot of the big conversation stuff that you've used that has been successful, it at least gives you a framework and a foundation. This kind of sounds like what you guys have done with Hell Yes, that it becomes a framework that can be used pretty much anywhere. Is that true, well, Alex? If you're like me, and many of your listeners probably are, you are terrified or used to be terrified of big, important conversations. Exactly. I was not good at confrontation or I felt like every conversation was going to be a confrontation mm-hmm. because I thought, Oh, well somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. Right. Yeah. And if I want to win, I'm going to have to be mean and dirty and prove all my points and get it perfect. And it just felt like so much pressure. Yeah. I would just avoid important conversations and through using this really simple four step process with Bob over the years now, I've just discovered like, oh, I'm just trying to understand what's going on for somebody else. And I want them to better understand where I'm coming from. And what if we both actually want what's best for each other? It's just, it really transformed so much about connecting with people in a meaningful way for me. And as I was reading through what the first thing that came through for me was it's very much very similar to um, non-combative communication, both with some slightly different, like, here's the simplistic buckets to put this in. We're going to get to this because I want everybody to at least get a taste of this and then encourage them to really go out and get the book. But these buckets, to me, set it up perfectly for, okay, let's just stop. Let's try to take some of the emotion out of this because what you're talking about is conversations that really involve a lot of emotion. 
And um, as I read through this, of course, I went right to coming out journeys and then some of the stuff I'm doing with organizations trying to help them figure out, okay, why are employees hiding in closets, not doing the things they're doing? So um, as you started to get comfortable, Alex, since you brought this up, with this, what was something that you noticed immediately started to change for you? Because you said you didn't like confrontation, you didn't like doing this, but what became simpler as you started using this framework? I felt more confident in actually approaching people, Mm -hmm. um, people that I perceived as, as maybe having more power Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I still have imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and it would help me just approach someone that I thought was way cooler than I was uh-huh. <laughs> or, or way smarter. <laughs> and I, but I actually really love um, a, an idea that Bob has brought to it um, that it can bring kind of more of a, how do you say it? You bring more business to your relationships and more relationships to your business. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. I, I think that there's, well, one in the business world I operate in, everybody's concerned about sort of performance and retention of people. Like they want people to come. They want, they want to attract good people. They want to set them up to succeed. They want them to stay. Um, and you know, and a lot of that in today's workplace is about um, people bringing more of themselves. You know, sure. I mean, it can be as simple as not, or some, I don't you know why simple as all, but the diversity conversation, right? You know, yeah. can people be out at work? You know, are people comfortable bringing the sort of their private self? And, you know, for years, people have said, don't bring your private stuff to work. You know, this has been this division. Yeah. The kinds of work we're doing today, the kinds of workplaces we need to create are highly collaborative, highly creative. Usually they're usually doing something which requires problem solving of some kind, which means we need to know who each other are as human beings. And yet there's no struct, there's, it's not safe to do that. It's not safe to just sort of come in and behave like you're, you're at a bar, you know, or you're mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. And so what this conversation does is it provides sort of a safe structure to have that more human conversation in. But likewise, when you take this structure and you apply it in a, in a interpersonal, and I'm just going to out myself, not, <laughs> not in, in context of your show, but I'm going right, to Alex is my fourth wife, so I've, I've been through a lot of bad relationships in my life or difficult relationships. And, you know, one of the things I realized was is that I was, like, pursuing relationships because of passion, because I loved the person or because the person excited me in some way, not because we were aligned, not because we were thinking strategically about our lives together and whether or not we were really here to support each other. And so what this conversation does is it brings a sort of sense of structure to that conversation you know sort of like and and you know we we talk about this we, we used to one i think an early title for this was something about radical alignment it was this mm-hmm. idea and then i said then we've kind of come up with the idea that hell yes was a better way to say that or a more poetic way to say it right. but like really like rather than just being a yes or an, or not a no which is often what we we take for a yes in life right how can we actually be a hell yes for each other and a mm-hmm. hell yes for mm-hmm. That makes total sense. And it seems that from what you've said and then what I've already read, the beginning piece is that setting the container, getting the right place. You guys call it setting the stage. And this is something that I've advocated with a lot of my clients, whether they're coming out or, you know, whatever the conversation may be. I just had a client who said he was getting ready to leave, leave one of the big, big consulting firms in the country. And he was getting ready to have that big conversation and he's like I don't know where to have it I said well it's very important that you figure out the right place to have this because setting the stage determines so much so as you work through this I'm going to throw this one back to you Bob 
when you're working like this corporate culture stuff and you're in those firms or companies, how do you find the stage in those organizations? Is it like a small group? Is it a one-on-one? I'm sure it's a combination of both, but how do you set this stage for these really intimate conversations that are going to take place? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the work that I do is with leadership teams. Uh, and so they're by definition somewhat smaller, um, yeah, yeah. Either, either some aspect of the C-suite, you know, like a, a CIO and, and her team or the, the C-suite of the organization. Mm-hmm. And so it's by definition that, you know, I think, you know, these I do and I do offsites or a board. Right. Thing. So it's, some, it's somewhere between like four to 12 people, probably Perfect. 12 people is probably a lot for this for a single group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I think of it as sort of a Jedi mind trick a little bit. I just sort of say, we're going to do this now. Like, I don't give people an option. You know, mm-hmm. facilitator. And I try to set the stage really well. So we're seated in a circle. I think about eye lines and, you know, like where, yep. where we all are. I think about I want there to be a window so people can see some, I guess, some natural light and kind of be more expansive. Um, sometimes I, I pay attention to music and lighting and a few other things, but mm-hmm. really it's just sort of about, you know, th- making the best, most comfortable, most sort of like safe space that you can, that you can possibly imagine. So, uh, you know, too many windows can be a problem too. If you feel sure. like people are walking past, that can be right. problematic. And then just really, um, not giving people a choice. Um, just saying, okay, our first exercise is this, this mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. And then I have a whole lot of data that supports the idea that psychological safety and empathy leads to better team performance and all of that, you know, just enough to kind of get them to, to stop rebelling and act, relax the amygdala enough to sure, kind of exactly. have, the, have the conversation. Right. So Alex, I know you use this in your practice too. So as you're working with your women, which is a bulk of who you work with, what is, what does this do for them? Cause I can see that it could possibly put him a little bit on, okay, here we are a little in, I'm going to, as a quote woman, and this is where I think it's so fascinating that we take some of the masculinity stuff, rip it aside and go, we are going to go deep here because for women, some of this stuff is going to be very natural, but then to think about doing this with a partner or a boss who happens to be male, then it's like, oh wow, how am I going to get this person to do it? So what are the benefits that they have seen as they've gone through this process? Well, it's it's really interesting, actually. One of my dear friends, Rebecca Baruki, who actually wrote the introduction to the book, mm-hmm. she is also a, a coach and a huge social media influencer. And she said, you know, this structure, this conversation might have just saved my marriage. She mm-hmm. was so clear that previously in relationships, she was overly aggressive. Mm-hmm. She like, I was the quote unquote masculine one in all of the important conversations in my marriage. And I was steamrolling over my husband, over my partner. And I'm just seeing through using this conversation, how, <laughs> how damaging that was. And she's like, it, and you know, your audience will probably get this. Yep. We'd like to kind of explain that the the structure of the conversation is kind of a masculine structure within which to have a kind of a more feminine emotional conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a linear way. It's a directed way to talk about things that can be highly emotional. So it doesn't matter sex or gender at all. But, a, you know, a few of the women that I'm working with currently realize that, oh, man, I am just I'm seeing how I. I can trigger my partner mm-hmm. in conversation 
but I do like, if I get overwhelmed in an important conversation, I will start to cry and not that that's a bad thing, but, Oh, I'm just seeing how I'm kind of manipulating them through my own tears. And, and this is sure. self-reported, you know, it's not, right, I'm not right. saying that everyone does this, but they're able to see how they have operated in conversations mm-hmm. and that they're now being more fair. And again, they're, they're bringing, they're, they're seeing their own confidence in approaching important conversations really take off because they now know what to do. Whereas before it was just open-ended. Yeah. It was just like open, let's go sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other this actually brings us sort of the next step, which is really, you know, talking about what we're going to talk about, right? Because mm-hmm. it's sort of easy. Let's say if you're in a couple, we're going to talk about vacation. Right. Um, it's great to sort of set the stage about, and let's agree on the topic. That's fine. But I think it's also really important to say why we're going to talk about this mm-hmm. and, to, and to frame it in a way that's actually collaborative rather than, than you know, the, the, the title of the book is a play on Bill, William Murray's Getting to Yes, which is more about negotiation and sort of a more hostile environment. Yeah. This book is really not about that, though you can use some of the techniques. I found them very useful in hostile environments at times. But really, the book is more about two or more people who really are mutually invested in something going well. If I'm going on vacation with Alex, I want the vacation to go well, and, I, and she wants the vacation to go well. So the, the topic then is vacation so we can both have a great time. Mm-hmm. Product launch. So we can go the best possible, you know, right. as best, you know, as, as, so it can be as successful as possible, that kind of thing. And once you have, I think, the set and setting, you know, once you have the place, you know, the in, it set up, and once you have the agreement of what you're going to talk about, then you can jump into the conversation. And, really mm-hmm. and it sounds like it's really important to be very clear on that, that stage you were just talking about, Bob, of why we're talking about this. And we're being very focused and clear that it's this thing. It's not multiple things. We're talking about this thing, because it becomes, and those of you listening, we're about to start to reveal the steps here, but what it is, is being very clear and focused, and then you can repeat the process again. Yes. I wouldn't necessarily recommend possibly like, okay, we just finished this one, now let's go again. You need some (laughs) breathing room to do this. Trust me, after 17 years of being with my partner, I know this, and I've never used this process, but I can see how... We're going to have some interesting conversations later today. So yeah. here we go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you can have the conversation forever in some way as well. Like, I mean, like we sort of have ongoing conversations. I, I would say um, childcare, money, yeah. um, housing, because we're, you know, we talk about where we're actually kind of considering, you know, possible moves in the future right now yeah. and, and a few other things like, and it just sort of like, this is just sort of the ongoing conversation. And it actually, it's sort of like jazz in a way, like we played the scales enough that now we don't actually need to do the set, the setting and, you know, this is why we're doing this and all of that. It just sort of has the language and the, and the, the, the mode has sort of bled into our lives. We'll just like dip into different pieces of it. Um, show, speaking of pieces of it, should we dip into the pieces of we it? We should. I was going to say, I'm going to let you guys kind of take it from here because I, I want you to put it in your words. I, I could say mine, but mm-hmm. uh, I love this process. And the reason I wanted Alex and Bob on here was because, to me, this process can help you so much if you are saying no to yourself and you need to get to a hell yes. If you're hearing other people say no to something you're trying to get to. If you're getting ready to make a big transition in life and you need some ways to get there, there's so many things that aligned with my brand of coming out of closets, living life on your terms, making your bold moves, uh, men and masculinity stuff that I'm doing that I felt this was the perfect time to bring this kind of a, an interview into the work because it sets the tone where most of my 
listeners, people who listen to this, clients, whatever, they can use this beautiful process and make huge amounts of headway. So um, I'm going to let you guys kind of take it from here and then I'll, I'll drink a glass of wine because as my listeners know, I'm in the wine closet here. So, but, um, I, I, I was going to add that you can even do the conversation um, by yourself. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I had to make a big business move uh, about six months ago and it took me a long time. It was very risky, very kind of, it, it felt risky anyway. Um, and, and I ended up spending a lot of time with this conversation just by myself. So I'll just highlight the first four, the, the four sections and then we'll kind of dive into what each one is. So ICBD is the not not intercontinental ballistic somehow. <laughs> anyway, ICBD is the is the initials. It's intentions, concerns, boundaries, and desires. And um, I'll just do intentions real quick, and then I'll pass over to Alex to kind of take take the next one. But intentions are is really actually pretty short. If I'm going to do something, there are only a few things that get me to do things in life. Frankly, you know, like and it's usually connected to my values or my 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 personal goals. So. If I'm choosing to do something, either it's fun, I'm going to learn something, or I'm getting paid, hopefully all three of those things, you know, for, for a lot of my life. And so just by saying I want to do that, you know, like if I'm working a job, um, and maybe because I'm actually trying to make the world a better place too, like I want to transform this organization so it can become a better, more impactful organization. And But usually it's some combination of I want to learn something, I want to make a little bit of money, and I want to have a bunch of fun along the way. And maybe there's something else. So intentions are really just the, I think of it as the, the ticket that gets you in the door. Like I wouldn't be doing this if it didn't do these three things for me. And, and those are very much connected to our values and they can be expository in terms of, oh, now I understand what, what, what's important to you, what your values are, why you would do this. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. And one of the things I want to add there for the listeners, as Bob was talking, it inspired me to think I'm going to add something onto the website for this. I'm actually going to put a downloadable value sheet for you to use along with this, because right. if you don't know your values, it's time to figure that out. And I know that sounds weird that people don't know their values, but actually, if you don't at least know your top five values, this is probably why you're stuck somewhere in life. And we considered actually adding that into this process, but we thought yeah. it was going to be too complex. And also I don't have a process, so I want to borrow your process. Okay. I'll email you guys so you can see how I do it. I yeah. love this value seat that I use because it's got like 30 some odd values and then you kind of rate them, you know, how important they are. And then you create how much you're in action with that value. And then what we do is we narrow it down to the 10 that are most important to you. We do get it down to five. But it really gets clients focused very quickly on, okay, now I know, now you, you know why you would set an intention because it's back to, like you said, Bob, mine are, if, I, it's not, if it's not an adventure, if it's not fun, if it's not enjoyable, if it doesn't help me have impact in the world, and of course, if it doesn't bring me some form of abundance, whether that's money or abundance of joy in my life, I don't do stuff. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And sometimes at this stage, you'll also fi- figure out that people are doing things out of obligation. Yep. Because yep. they feel backed into a corner, which, you know, sometimes at work, we, hell, we get there, right? We have, and, and, and that's just sort of where it's at, and we just have to make, make peace with it. But in our personal lives, you know, I think one of the things that happens during this conversation sometimes is you figure out, oh, this thing we're getting ready to do, we really shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's actually a great outcome. Maybe a terrible outcome. Mm-hmm. Hell, yes, it's a great outcome. Hell, you get no is a great outcome. But, you know, yeah. maybe. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So each person shares their intention Mm -hmm. and you can a little, you know, just a little rule of the game here is that you can ask clarifying questions of each other, but this is not a conversation to argue points. This is a framework 
that you can use to learn about each other and get clarity together, but this is not an opportunity to fight. So you can ask questions of each other. And also, you know, you're also not ordering off a menu. You're not ordering shirts out of a catalog. You're not maybe gonna get your exact size and color and number of things you want. You might, everybody right. might get exactly what they want, but this is an opportunity to put your stuff out there, maybe not get 100%. Mm -hmm. so. And if you hear something that's kind of, you know, that your partner says, or you're, you know, that you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. You can, you don't have to, <laughs> you know, like they're mm -hmm. not, you know, you're not taking orders either, right? right. You're, not, you're not ordering out the menu when you're speaking, you're not taking orders. Mm -hmm. either, so. Right. So that brings us to part two, which is everyone listing their concerns. Mm -hmm. And it really should be the smallest, the biggest, the little tiny worries in the back of your mind that you might think are, okay, this is crazy, but I'm just going to say it so that I get it out of my head. And you both know what the other person's worries are. So when, when you do that, this is where I think most people get really, and I'm raising my hand here, folks, really wigged out because we're afraid to say something because yeah. we think we're going to hurt somebody. Right, right. And this is where the more you can practice this stuff, the easier it gets. And you learn to do it without being a jerk. You can kind of bring it up and go, okay, here's what I'm feeling. Right. And it kind of just happens naturally, you know. I mean, I mean even, I in our, even in our ongoing conversations, there will be times when one or both of us is like, I'm afraid if this goes poorly, it'll ruin our relationship. I'm afraid you'll leave me. I'm, you know, I mean, and it really is just to voice the lizard brain, just to mm -hmm. voice that part of ourself that gets really scared mm -hmm. so that you can then feel calm and supported and really your brain, your ego brain can hear, okay, that's not actually within the realm of possible, but I'm glad I voiced that. And I found like, and like seven times out of 10, when I voice a concern, I'm just like, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, that'll never happen. Why am I concerned about that? Right. Like, and just like getting it out, just like, you know how sometimes, like you, when you think about something and all of a sudden you say it, it's just like, well, that was ridiculous. Why yeah. did I, you know? But it, if it's stuck in your head, it'll just- It sounds really <laughs> real in here, and out here it just sounds, it sounds like a little tiny worrisome spider. But um, this is such an important piece because I know my clients, in fact, I was just working with well, the client that was getting ready to leave um, Price Waterhouse, and he said, "Well, I need I need to say something." I'm like, "Well, it's just you and me, man." So say it. He goes, "I've never said this out loud," but he goes, "I'm afraid if I leave, it'll ruin my career forever." And I just sat there. I didn't say anything, and I said, "So can you say that again?" And I want you to say it even louder because the first time he said it was, uh, you know. And he goes, oh, you didn't hear me? I said, no, I heard you, but I want you, I want you to say it again. I had him say it three times and had him get louder. And he had that exact same thing happen. Because suddenly when he heard himself saying that, the next words out of his mouth was, but that sounds pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? I said, <laughs> yeah, because, A, we don't know. So why put all the energy and effort into something we don't know yet? And B, what's really the likelihood of that? <laughs> you don't like what you're doing, so... You're going to go figure out something else. And I love that this concern piece is about let's put on our big boy pants and our big girl panties and let's just say what we need to say, but do it in a way that says, I really need to say this because based on the intention, this is where we're going. If I don't say this, we're not going to get anywhere. At least that's my interpretation of the work you guys have put together. Humans love to complain. We love to complain mm -hmm. and we 
love to figure out what the worst case scenario is. We love to worry. Like our brain, there's a part of our brain, you know. That's what it's built for. That's what it's built yeah. for. It's built a future trip and figure out what where things might possibly go wrong. So let's indulge it, right? Yep, yep, exactly. And indulging is what we love to do. And so, so in, the, in the next piece, we, mm-hmm. we actually begin to talk. There, there's sort of two different ways to kind of approach the next piece. The next piece is boundaries. Yeah. And one way to think about boundaries is they're sort of the bright lines that we use in order to take care of ourselves. And so, um, and this is really confronting in the workplace, frankly, because we're not trained to take care of ourselves at work. It's just not, it's, you know, like work comes first. Right. Um, and, you know, what I think, what I believe and what I've seen over and over again with teams is that what we really want is we want people to, if, if, we, if we want great work out of people, we have to allow them to take care of themselves in the way. But often mm-hmm. people don't know how to. So this is like a really confronting, really challenging. I know Alex will say that like women particularly are not socialized to kind of have boundaries or, you know, or, or, or express them sometimes. Yeah. So this is an opportunity and I really have to push at work. I really have to push people to really say, what do you need to do your best possible work or be your best how much sleep do you need? Do you need to exercise? Where do you need to eat? Do you need private space and quiet space? Or do you need brainstorming space and public space? Do you, you know, like what kind of person are you and what do you need? And it's very, very, very personal. Mm-hmm. The other way we might use boundaries is a little bit to address like some of our concerns, you know, like if we're concerned, we might blow a budget, you know, like in a, in a project and we we'll say like, mm-hmm. well, let's have a weekly check-in on that budget. It's just sort of like a little bit of a rule that we can kind of add into the sure. project. You know, it's interesting that you brought this up. So before we came on the air, everybody, we were <clears throat> talking about our, our mutual children. And um, I was telling Bob and Alex about my oldest daughter and her job and how she landed a really cool job. And one of the things I admire most about the company that she works at is they are hyper. And I mean, literally hyper concerned about engagement at work to the point that they ask almost on a weekly basis in a very structured format. What do you need to continue to operate at your best potential for you? Not for the company, (laughs) for you. And one of the things that came out of that conversation was they're a small media company in the heart of Santa Cruz. There's a coffee shop right below their office, and there's a couple of delis and stuff close by. And so part of the benefits was every day they could go to either the coffee shop and get a coffee for free, any, any coffee drink. It didn't matter. It wasn't just a cup of coffee, a regular cup of coffee. And then three times a week, they could go to any of the del, either of the delis and get food. And that was a benefit. But as they started to like realize, wow, this is, you know, this is kind of becoming something we've got to manage and all this sort of stuff. They asked the question, what would you need besides the perks of coffee and lunch to be best for you in the workplace? And what came back was they enjoyed that stuff, but it wasn't something they really felt like they needed. It was a great perk. But what came back is we really want more vacation time. Mm. And so what ended up happening is they actually eliminated the coffee and the drink program because it was just becoming too much to manage to try to, okay, who's taking care of what, who's, how many people are doing this. And they had to account and they had to pay for, you know, the establishments and they did it in such a way that, the staff didn't know what was coming. They didn't know that the program was going to get eliminated. But what they came back with is we know for you guys to perform best in what you do, you need more time away from here. And they swapped it out for five weeks of vacation. 
Sweet. So beautiful. So great. So it's really about listening and hearing and doing exactly what you guys just talked about, about what's the boundary? Is the boundary more vacation time or is the boundary more feeding your soul? What What's going to make you feel really good and getting that kind of communication open. So this is amazing stuff. So we're kind of down to the step four, right? Right. We're at the final one, which we love so much and it really brings out the the joy and the hope, which is what are your dreams? And in our personal relationship, we call it your desires, Mm -hmm. but your dreams are not just for you, your, your ultimate end result of this for you, for each other, for the group, you know, how will this impact the people around us? Like really go for it, go for the big vision, inspire yourself Mm -hmm. and inspire each other. And that dose of positive, upbeat energy at the end really can solve a lot of any, you know, inconsistencies or misalignments where people are like, oh, you know, that thing, like, I'm totally over it. I'm so into this. Mm-hmm. You know, it can, it can really bring everyone together. It's so amazing to me how often the dreams conversation ends up with being about other people too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like my dream is that you are experiencing, you know, because they've heard mm-hmm. the concern, they've heard the, the boundary, they've heard the intention, you know, my dream is for you that this thing is happening or my dream is for us. This is, and I really encourage people to be as almost visceral in their visioning as possible. You know, like we're standing in this place where, you know, we're toasting, you know, the, we have a great bottle of kava and we're talking, you know, and we're saying, you know, like we just hit a million subscribers or something like that. Right. right. And things, and, and things are really amazing. So. That's awesome. So what you guys just described a few years ago, whatever it was, two or three years ago when Oprah was doing her big Oprah tour and doing her big weekends around the country, I happened to go to the one in San Jose. And when I still use, I use this with my practice now. And one of my favorite moments of the whole weekend <clears throat> was she had everybody, you know, 10,000 people in an auditorium say, what is it you most want for somebody? You pick somebody. It can be a spouse, it can be a child, it can be, you know, <laughs> the person who just took your ticket, whatever it was. And you write down, and it was probably a good three minutes they had us just sit there and write what we want for somebody. And then they flipped it around. It was her and Deepak Chopra that were up there doing this. And then when you got done, they flipped it around and said, so I want you to really look at the list. Because whatever you wrote down for that person is exactly the same thing you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's very similar what you're saying here, the dreams and desires. Once you realize this, then you can take that into that space and go, wow, most of what I'm desiring, actually, yeah, it's part of me, but I can't do this and experience this without my spouse or my coworkers or whatever, because we're all in this together. It's that joint thing of, this isn't a solo ride, folks. There's no way this is solo (laughs) ride through this crazy spinning world we're on right now. So, um, so what's the thing you guys most, most love from having finally like, okay, this thing's coming to fruition. You can see that it's going to go somewhere. What's the thing you most love about seeing this one come out the gate? Cause I know both of you, Alex, you've done books, Bob, you've done some amazing stuff, but there's, I just sense there's something about this one coming alive for you guys. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, I my dream, my big desire for this book, and we've gone through the <laughs> intentions, concerns, boundaries, and yep, desires yep. in writing this book together, make sure it didn't impact our relationship badly. Yep, yep. But my ultimate dream is that it really does get into the hands of, I'm going to say, a million people mm-hmm. over the course of its life. 
because I think it can because it already has saved relationships. It's made our family so much stronger. We just have this really easy flow between us and my son. When we talk about important things, we understand each other. We have empathy for each other. And honestly, like I want to teach this at the UN. I want mm-hmm. to teach this at Google. Yep. I want to put this out into the hands of people that make the biggest impact in our lives so that they have really strong empathy for the people they serve and the world around them. So I'm curious, will this actually become more than just a book? Will this actually be something you guys will take into like, I know you've done this kind of in a workshop setting, but is this something you can see actually like this tell yes, will become a workshop that you take in and do various places? Absolutely. We're, you know, we're offering the book. Um, This is really, I mean, I guess this is our, it's not, it's not a minimum, a minimum product. It's a, it's a, it's a trial. You know, it's like yep, yep. we wanted, to, we wanted to, the, the, the real intent behind the book was to get the tool. And also there's some extras. We have a video um, tutorial that's available. We have a cheat sheet. We have some slides, yep. a bunch of stuff that's available that really help people in a facilitator's guide that really help people use the product or use the, the tool because mm-hmm. we really wanted to get into as many people's hands as possible. Uh, and then I think for us, we would love to be invited or, or we're going to offer workshops. Hopefully people will come, you know, we'll see. And we're, yep, we're yep. already speaking at an event in yep. the next couple of weeks. We anticipate nice. a lot more of that. Yeah. So definitely we plan to, we plan to get it out there and we don't know, we, we're, we're, this is our little baby and we're really mm-hmm. curious what it can become. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think I certainly have a very similar ambition to Alex. I would love to see this in the hands of a million people. I would love to, to see this help make organizations and relationships more collaborative and, um, and, and aligned and side, people standing shoulder to shoulder, looking at problems together and working on those problems together rather than, you know, face, you know, squaring off against each other and, 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 and the sort of adversarial tone that seemed to, to, you know, kind of pervade our culture right now. So I want to share something personal with you guys and the listeners. Um, I've, I've had this information from Alex and Bob for about a week or so at this point. I've been kind of going through it a little bit each day, just kind of, okay, how do I want to do this? And Alex knows I just go wherever we go. There's no, there's no structure to this podcast whatsoever. We always get it done. And uh, I woke up this morning really in my head about moving forward with a project I'm working on. And my project is all about taking what I've done and really fully stepping into owning that my work is about working with men and really truly helping men confront masculinity in their way, own who they are and live life as a masculine man on their terms, not by societies, not by what gay culture, not by what heterosexual culture, it's about men just living their truth. And I know I'm onto something. I, and I know there's other groups out there doing it, but I know from where I come from and the coming out piece and then helping men make these big transitions. And our mutual friend, Jonathan Fields, five years ago at camp said to me flat out, Rick, I really feel like your work is with helping men through their big life transitions. And it's so interesting how things come full circle. And in the last six months, this has really been what's weighing on me. And so this morning I woke up, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. I just wanted to say, screw it, you know, go back, let's find something else to do, or let's go to the J-O-B, which would just like kill me <laughs> completely. And I literally sat down with this checklist and I asked myself, okay, Rick, what are the intentions? What are your intentions about doing this work with men? And the first intention I came up with was freeing men to fully live life on their terms so they can experience true, deep-seated authenticity and happiness. Mm. 
And then I stepped into the concerns. What are my concerns? Well, will people see this as something else I've spun or is this something that people go, I'm not going to get it. Well, I don't know if guys want to do this in the workplace or whatever. And I put all those concerns down. But what I kept coming back to is none of those concerns were real until I get this thing out there. Not a one of them. So I know I just need to keep pushing. And then I said, okay, well, what boundaries do I need to put on myself about this? Is there some time frames to test this out? Is there some boundaries about chatter? <laughs> you only get to spend so much time a day chattering in your head and keep going. And what I came to was the only boundaries are the ones that I am like going to put in place that help me move this forward. Yes, there's going to be a time frame of how much time I'll spend in this. But the last one was the biggie and the dream of, I want to see men begin to pull the mask away and truly unmask what masculinity really is. And I'm not saying don't be the guy you're meant to be, but let's get to that space of really where you're meant to be. And this process, that little bit of time I spent with it, and only all I have is what um, Bob and Alex have sent me. I don't have the book or anything yet. Help me get to such a solid ground today. Of I'm supposed to say hell yes to this and move forward. Because so I know this is what I'm supposed to do, plain oh, and simple. Amazing. So now, so now you guys can criticize if I did it right, but there, I don't think there is no right or wrong. It's, Are you kidding? I want to put that story in the book. I know. Like, let's, let's rewrite. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I wanted to share that because I literally, I mean, you could ask my husband. I would go get him, but I know he's making a tuna sandwich or something up the stairs. But I told him this morning, I said, I'm done. I'm ready to call it done. And then I got ready. I was getting ready for this. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to go through this process and start to see what happens. And the shift and the determination and everything came back full tilt. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is, this is why we wrote the book. Thank yeah. you. Really. Yeah. That yeah. was so beautiful. So um, thank you for the work you do. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm just hugely inspired. And I think the work, I, yeah, anyway, the work is, is so needed. And I'm mm -hmm. so appreciative that you're out there doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So one last question before we wrap it up, we're going to have tons of stuff for people to see and use and all this sort of stuff links to the book, but Bob, what's the hell yes that you have had to say to yourself in the last week, something that you could share in the last week or oh. month or <laughs> so right now, you know, I, I've actually been in a, in a little bit of a, of a transition in the last um, year or so in my, in my business. And what I'm saying, hell yes to in my life is actually space to create, um, and so I, you know, I've been a consultant for many years and consultants life, you work really hard, you fly a yeah. lot, you're always yeah. busy. And right now I'm committed to keeping 50% of my time, not doing that and unstructured so I can do things like hell yes. So I can mm -hmm. do things. And so I can have a little more space. So I'm, I'm, I'm a hell yes to, to creative space in my life. Nice. And Alex, the same question for you. Oh man. I'm, I'm saying hell yes to, and I just got clear on this today about, you know, I have about five or six really important things on mm -hmm. my docket, including this book mm -hmm. and my own podcast and my next projects. Right. And I just realized today, oh, I can, I can do it all. Mm -hmm. I can have everything I want. Yeah. It does not have to be. I don't have to get lost in the swirl of perfectionism and overthinking, getting stuck in paralysis. Nope. I'm not doing it that way. I am just going to have it all easily. That's Hell awesome. Yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. That's the anthem here. And I hope all of you that have been listening will really take this to heart because I've been feeling compelled to have this kind of conversation. And I, as I said, I didn't, I think we said this off the air. I wasn't sure what I was going to do for today's podcast, 
because we just ran a series of stuff and because of where I am in my own business and going through this like transformation of, okay, I'm being called to step up. And when you get called to step up, whether it's coming out of the closet, leaving a relationship that's not working, finding new ways to communicate with a spouse or a coworker, when you get called, it's going to be uncomfortable, but you're also being called as Bob said, and both Bob and Alex said, but Bob said it to either a hell yes or a hell no. And there's nothing wrong with saying hell no too, because sometimes the hell no is actually the hell yes, quite honestly. And I'm so glad that this came into being just when everybody needs it, because I think right now in our world, in where we're headed, in our planet, in our consciousness as a human, it's time for us all to learn what it truly means to say hell yes to our own selves so that we can say hell yes to the world and the planet in the way that it's meant to be. So, so happy you guys have been here and sharing this. Thank and, you. Um, can't wait to share everything with the listeners. And um, thank you again, guys, for being here. And I'm so glad I finally got to actually have a conversation with Bob. That is like <laughs> a bonus in this whole thing. Me too. So, Let's not make it the last one. Oh, exactly. Glad. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks, you guys, so much. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.